Everybody doing well? Are you well? I got, I got to tell you, I'm not. I'm, I'm just thoroughly exhausted. Anybody with me? I'm just aching. I'm tired. I'm not sick. I'm just worn out. You know, they used to have in the Methodist church years ago, they never had retired preachers. They called them old worn out preachers. They just, they just faded away or burned out one way or the other. But um, anybody feel like an old worn out Christian uh, today or old worn out person? Yeah, it's just, it just one of those weeks that um, everything just seemed like I, I shared with you what we, you know, we went down for, uh, you know, just a couple days before that, we got excitement news. And if anybody heard my little text bulletin, which my kids and family hate that noise, that's why it's still on there. Um, that, um, that was actually from our father saying, hey, I got up, I, I did this kind of thing. So I guess he knew we were praying for him. Um, but, you know, um, and just definitely pray for his, his spirit to be up too, because, um, I know just normal life weighs us down. I can't imagine. You're just waiting for the other uh, shoe to drop. And um, so, you know, it's just one of those, those kind of weeks where you just seem like you're, you're just beat. You know, anybody with me? And it's Pentecost. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I was like, okay, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's what sustains us and guides us. And I said, God, you're going to have to put it to work because I'm just worn out. I'm just worn out. And from the looks of you guys, you look pretty worn out too. So, um, we're all in the same boat. But today is Pentecost. It is 50 days after uh, Passover, uh, historically, or also uh, Easter time. And what I wanted to do today is, if you open your, your inside of your bulletins, if you're visiting with us here today, um, there's blanks in there that we can, you can fill out as I go through the sermon. That is, if God wants me to continue to do the same thing, because i got to tell you, my brain's worn out too, so I'm not quite sure where we're going to end up, but we'll end up, I promise. Uh, I know it's going to finish with a communion table. That's all I got today. Um, but I decided to start a new series. And one of the things that I love about, um, about Bible study and I love about uh, even, even teaching in a secular environment at times is I love questions. I love questions, and, and the thing that I really, really, really love is light bulb, bulb moments. You know what I mean by light bulb moments? Where when you say something and somebody goes, wow, boom, you know, light bulb. You know what I'm talking about, light bulb moments? Anybody get it? Do I need a light bulb? And I need one of those magic light bulbs and go, you guys are going to go, ooh, ah. Um, I think my son has one somewhere. But, um, and so I wanted to start this new series called... Uh, FAQ, which in the internet world stands for Frequently Asked Questions. And I, I figure what a good way to start it off today than to begin to unpack something I'm not even going to be able to scratch the surface of. And that's answering this question, who and what is the Holy Spirit? Right? I can answer that in five minutes or less and send you home. Um, no, I could talk about it for days and days and days and still not get there. But we are going to, for the next several weeks, going to spend time answering some major questions of faith. We've talked about it a little bit before, but in a couple weeks we're going to talk about why does a loving God allow people to suffer? We're going to talk about that. If, if I'm, I'm really creative, I might go find some people who are suffering, you know, and just talk to them. And we'll see a little bit of that. And, um, you know, uh, I think we can all can relate to those kind of things. Um, you know, we're going we're gonna, to, but that's just some of the air. We may even talk about heaven. What's going to happen when we get to heaven? When we know people? Will we be married? For some of you say, that sounds like hell to me, but, um, you know, um, <laughs> but hopefully not. 
Hopefully not. You can smile if you're sitting next to your spouse. Okay. Um, but it, it, you know, it's one of those things that we don't know a lot about heaven. I'll tell you, the world's throwing a lot of other stuff about what heaven is out there. Um, that's just wrong. And so we're going to just unpack some Christian things and talk about how it affects us and why we even care. And so today we're going to start with that um, FAQ of who and what is the Holy Spirit. And now, in starting off, I realize off the bat that we have a lot of people from different backgrounds and understandings. We have people, um, and, and many people are very Bible-based, and that's what I want to do. I don't want to do this to start a Hatfields and McCoys over the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and baptism and, and the way we do those things and the way we approach those things are probably the most debated things in the church. You get two Christians together and they say, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian too. What are you? Well, I'm a Pentecostal. Ah, you're the devil, right? Or I'm Baptist. Oh, you're worse. You know, you know we don't know. We go through this kind of stuff. And, or, and God forbid if you were, came from a Catholic background, right? You know, um, we'll keep it quiet. We won't tell them. Um, so, but we all have our understanding. And if you want to see two Christians get apart really quickly, start talking about their approach to the Holy Spirit and how they do baptism. And you will find people just ripping people's heads apart. All in the name of Jesus. And um, so I'm, it's not my goal to do that. I just want to focus on Scripture. I'm going to share some, some of my own personal thing. When I go ahead and I say, this is what I think, I'll say this is what I think, unless it's in accordance with what God thinks, and I'll say this is what we think, um, and so, um, or what God thinks, and we'll, we'll make it through. Everybody good? All right. At least that's where I'm starting, where we end up. Round and round it goes. Nobody knows where it stops. Okay, here we go. So let's look at some Holy Spirit stuff. First, we've got to give a history of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was there from the beginning. Let's look at the first verse that's printed in your uh, bulletin today from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. That's right at the beginning. Matter of fact, it starts in the beginning. Right? And what does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And what? The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. When we look at this, the Spirit was God, was with God. John tells us it's also with Jesus. Uh, He says the Word, referring to Jesus, was God, is God, was there in the beginning. Everything was created through them. There we have our doctrine of Trinity. Right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now we've got to look at this. The Holy Spirit is not a force. Not a vapor. Doesn't it make you want to go, everybody, vapor, right? Come on, join me. Come on, doesn't it make you feel good? It's not a vapor. Some people, I heard one pastor one time, God bless him, that said, the Holy Spirit is just kind of, it's like a ceiling fan. (laughs) My ceiling fan breaks down and throws dust on it if I don't clean it. I don't know about yours, you know. I mean, the Holy Spirit fan, you know, uh, which goes nowhere, makes a lot of wind, doesn't do anything. All right, kind of like some people I know in life. Um, but it's not a vapor. It's not formerly an angel that they ripped the wings off and said, now you've been promoted or demoted. It's not that. Um, it's, it's not secondary part of the Trinity or a less level. It's not even an it. It's a he. It's the third person of the Trinity when we look at this. So one of the things I want to I put up here is I want, I want to go over three things as an outline of the Holy Spirit, how we can understand this. And I'm going to give you these three things, and we're going to hit on them again. But I'm going to rip through them really quickly, one, two, and three. That's why I wrote them there. And then I'm, and this is an outline of the Holy Spirit. Okay, So the Holy Spirit is eternal, all, part of God, been part of God, always God, always will be. Everybody got that? 
He's always there. Now, here is ways I want you to be able to understand the Holy Spirit. The number one is we're going to understand, even though he's been there from the, from the onset, forever, we're going to understand the Holy Spirit from Scripture from creation to Bethlehem. That's your first one. From creation to Bethlehem. And then if you jump on your next page, don't worry, I'll come back and fill those out. On the top of the next page, we're going we're gonna to understand the Holy Spirit and his role from Bethlehem to Pentecost. And then finally, we are going to look at the Holy Spirit from Pentecost to today. From Pentecost today. So that's creation to Bethlehem, Bethlehem to Pentecost, and Pentecost today. So what do we find out when we look at this? Um, well, in creation in Bethlehem, we find, um, I mean, from creation to Bethlehem, we can go back to our first verse at the beginning. It says, in the beginning, God created and the Spirit was there. So we know the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, uh, Ruach HaKodesh, if you want to know, uh, if you really want to say that in a good Hebrew way, um, put your hands up here because you'll spit on the person in front of you. It's Ruach, Ruach HaKodesh, right? Right? So, you want to try it? Okay, there you go. That's exactly what you have to do. Rach, HaKodesh. And uh, the Spirit of God. And with the Spirit of God, we learned something interesting. That from creation all the way to Bethlehem, the Holy Spirit came upon certain people at certain times for certain tasks. Now, that's the first uh, thing underneath your, uh, on your, on your bulletin. Um, certain came upon certain people at certain times for certain tasks. And I'm going to provide for you a list of some of these people. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about them because they're, they're really kind of cool individuals. Um, number one, uh, we have this guy named, uh, in Exodus 31, named Basilial. Anybody say that with me? Basilial. You don't have to spit on anybody for that one, but it's a good name. Basilio. How come people don't name their kids Basilio anymore, right? Um, Going to call him Bezzy or I don't know. Um, but here's what we have with him. In Exodus 31, thir- uh, 3, it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him to do great artwork for the temple. Now, here's what's interesting. How many of you are good artists? Raise your hand if you're a good artist. John, I know you are. Anybody else? Andy? Wayne? Anybody else? Okay, there you go. Got you back there. All right. Um, I am the worst artist ever. I am horrific. I, when, I, when I draw something, those of you who've had me in Disciple know this. Am I correct? Have you ever, you have not lived till you've seen Jack Cohen make a tabernacle. <laughs> or an Ark of the Covenant. Or the stick people that carry it. I can make some bad-looking stick people. You know what I mean? you got to be really bad to make stick people. And thank God, my daughters, and particularly Abigail, man, she can make stuff look incredible. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Me, they didn't get that gene from me. I don't know where it came from. I can't draw. Give me a computer. I can do a lot of things. Give me a, p- a pencil and piece of paper. I can barely write. And, and so it would have to be the Spirit of God coming upon Jack to make anything look good. When it comes to the art world. And this is what happened. So uh, here he had incredible artwork that was spirit driven. In Numbers eleven twenty five, we have that 
the Spirit of God comes upon 70 elders so that they can lead with wisdom. So the Holy Spirit brings this wisdom. Then we have one of my favorite people in Scripture. As a matter of fact, this is one of the areas that we go to in Israel. And it's um, Gideon's stream. Now Gideon, which is really cool, Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Now we look at that, we don't even understand that. Anybody know what you do when you thresh wheat? Anybody know? Yeah, you throw it up in the air. So often it was done on the high mountaintops so that you had a good cross section so that the good stuff would drop and the bad stuff would blow away. Okay? He was doing it in a wine press. Anybody know where wine presses were kept? Huh? Cold and underneath shade. So that you, and what it was is the people were attacking Israel and Gideon was like, I've got to do this job, but I don't want anybody to see me because I don't want to get in a fight. I don't want to get killed. I don't want to do this. He was a coward. And here's what's interesting. God came to him and made him, made him go ahead and he tested God with different things and with brooks. And God kept telling him, you have too many, you have too many, you have too many to go against me. And the Spirit of God came upon him to be a great leader and to make him bold when in his own character he was not. And he became bold. We have one of my favorite people in Scripture, Samson. The we like to get caught up in his hair. It has nothing to do with his hair if we look at the scripture. It says the spirit of God came upon him because he took a Nazarite vow. It came upon him and he messed up everything. The hair was the last thing. The spirit of God came upon him for, and, he, and he, that's where he got his strength. Then we have Zechariah who came to, to give testimony. And to, to David, it also came upon David for great wisdom and strength and other kinds of things. So just right here in the Old Testament, we have the nature of the Holy Spirit coming upon people for incredible artwork or regular work, for wisdom and for making us bold and for giving us strength and for giving guidance and, and leadership. But one of the other things is that with, for the Holy Spirit to come upon somebody in the Old Testament, what else does it have to do? Leave! So what the Holy Spirit would do is like, okay, today you're going to get an ounce of Holy Spirit. Boom, here I am. And then you're going to turn around and it's going to be gone. And so here was this kind of yo-yo experience. As a matter of fact, if you look at this, here are some people that the Scripture talks about in the Old Testament, creation of the Old Testament, that the Spirit of God left them. One of them was King Saul. Where the prophet comes to King Saul and says, God is tired of your mess. That's Jack's translation. God is really tired of your stuff, and he's had enough. So now the spirit that was on you is not coming back. Boop. And Saul pleads, because he knew he couldn't do it, and he actually proved he couldn't. We also have Samson. Samson's da- uh, Saul's downfall occurred after the spirit left him. But Samson as well. What we find with Samson is Samson, after he told Delilah, and, you know, Samson isn't the smartest turnip in the bunch, you know what I mean? He told her several times, every time he tells her something, somebody's doing something to him, you know what I mean? I'd be like, quinky dinky, I don't think so, you know what I mean? Um, so he really, needed, he really needed some Holy Spirit wisdom, not all the strength. But if you read the scripture, particularly in uh, Judges chapter 14, Verse 19, it says the spirit had departed from him. And Samson actually mentions, I will go out as I have done before. And it says, but the spirit was not there. It had departed from him. And he went out and got his butt kicked and his eyes plucked out. Because the spirit had departed from him. And if you want to read something, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 51. 
It's kind of in the middle somewhere. Um, and there's like a hun- there's tons of them, 150 plus. Uh, Psalm 51. And David, this is a psalm of David. And I just want you to hear some of what David says here. He says, and if you've got time, I want you to just read through this today and just hear the anguish. He says, listen to my prayer, O God, and do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught at the voice of my enemy at the stairs of the wicked. For they bring suffering upon me and revile me in anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Sounds like a really positive thing so far, right? Um, I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove, that I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. He he goes on and he says some more about his enemy insulting him. Let death take my enemies. He says, you know, take them out. He goes on and on. He said, and in verse 16, But I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He ransoms the unharmed, etc., etc. God is enthroned forever. Um, so then, verse 22, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. But you... I'm in another one. I'm at 55. That's all right. Good job. All right, 55. Sorry. Anyway, it, was, it sounded good, though, didn't it? Um, <laughs> All right, here we go. Lord, when did you hear that? I told you I had no clue where I was going today. Um, here we go. Psalm 51. This is after his, his mess up, his on the roof looking at Bathsheba. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Brought her in. Killed the husband. Not a good thing. Um, have mercy on me, O God. Does that sound like it? Okay, there we go. According. Why don't you stop me? You let me read a whole bunch. Uh, and then you'll be saying, he's preaching too long today. Okay, here we go. Um, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassions, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Anybody had a situation in life where your sin is right in front of you? You are confronted by it? How, how good does that feel? He said, I've sinned against you, God. Surely I was sinful at birth. He goes on, you, you said, you desire truth in the inner parts. Uh, and then he has to be cleansed. Let me hear joy and gladness in my bones. In verse 10, here we go. Create in me a clean or pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit, a patient, a righteous spirit within me. And listen to his plea. This is why he's in agony. Do not, do not, do not, do not cast me from your presence or take, what? Your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And grant a willing and sustained spirit in me. His, his plea was, yeah, you know what? I know, I know that I know that I've sinned. It's always before me. But the thing that is pulling him apart is he's afraid that God is going to remove his Holy Spirit from him. This is creation to Bethlehem. But God gave a vision to a man named Joel. And Joel one day, you can imagine living like this, Joel one day goes ahead and just starts to think, and I have this printed on the bottom of your bulletin, he starts thinking, just what if, just what if God's Spirit stayed with us? Just what if, instead of coming upon us when we're in need and when we're at the end of our rope, then boom, filling us and then leaving again and we miss that? Just what if? And so he says this, 
I will pour out my, he said, I see a day where God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And he gave us a glimpse. And you know what's really cool? We live in a time that we are so far removed from Joel that we actually get to see the fruition of what Joel had prophesied. And that's where we're going to move to Bethlehem to Pentecost. What happens here in Bethlehem to Pentecost? Bethlehem to Pentecost, where, the, where we had Old Testament from creation to Bethlehem, was the Holy Spirit came upon people. What we learn from Bethlehem to Pentecost is the Holy Spirit is with people, is with them. Um, let's look at this some more. Uh, it is with the disciples and other believers. With the disciples and other believers. And let's look at this a, l- a little bit more. Now, it says in your bulletin, John chapter 14, but I want John chapter 16, okay? John chapter 16. If you have your, um, your Bibles with you, I, I put most of the, uh, the verses in there that I wanted you to see. But in John chapter 16, this is key. And this is a transitional point in Scripture. This is where the hinge happens. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's the last of the Gospels, worked their way toward the back, about three quarters back. So in John chapter 16, what is happening is Jesus is about 30 plus years of age. He has taught. He's done miracles. He has challenged others. He has been a servant. He has challenged the religious leaders of the day where nobody else would. And what was really interesting is thousands of people began to follow him, but Jesus still wanted to spend time with this like, group of 12. They were his bu- close buddies. Um, we would call them a posse today, right? They were, they were the ones with him. And so they're rolling along with him. And he's having a heart-to-heart with them. And if you go back into the chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is saying the same thing. I'm leaving. Now, I want you to put yourself in the position of the disciples. Here they were, just fishing, tax collecting, hanging out, doing whatever. And they had this teacher, this guy named Jesus who came, who was doing the miraculous, who, who just changed everything. And he said to them, I want you to drop everything and follow me. And they gave up absolutely everything and began to follow him. And they were excited because many of them believed that he was going to restore the full kingdom of David, a uh, kingdom of God here on earth. That he was going to overthrow the Roman government. Other people know that he was teaching the words of God and they were committed to him. And now he's all of a sudden saying, hey, I got to tell you something, I'm leaving. Now, I want you to think, if there was somebody in your life that you put every ounce of your strength and focus and guidance on, and you left everything previously to follow them, and one day they say to you, hey, I'm leaving. What's the effect of that on you? Does that change you or alter you? Does that make you fear? Does that have any, any play on your life? Well, look what it says in your bulletin here. Um, Jesus says this, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask where you are going. Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. I'm sure some of them were weeping. Uh, John looked at him as, as like a father figure, so I'm sure he was just crying. And he, and that, and he says, but I, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come for you. So not only is this person that you've dedicated your entire life to saying, I'm out of here, but now he's changing it and saying, but it's, a good, it's good for you. Anybody ever have one of those breakups over the years that say, it's not you, it's me? 
How good does that feel? Because you know it's about you. But they just don't want to say it's about you. And then you're wondering, well, how can it be about me? Because I'm just good, right? You know, you go, yeah, I'm, I'm loving, I'm wonderful. And you, you know what I mean? Anybody been through that? Oh, you guys never been broken up with. I get it. So, um, but, you know, but take it from one, someone who has been broken up with um, in life. That's what happens at times. Actually, actually, if you go to the King James and the New Revised, it actually says, it is for your advantage that I leave. Now, that seems weird. Why? Because as we see throughout the Scripture, the Holy Spirit is with them. Jesus is walking around, and he recognized by his incarnation, by God becoming flesh, that he, he, gave, up some, he gave up some of the limitations. Like, he wasn't going to be omnipresent because he was going to be in the flesh. So he rec- recognized something that was really interesting. If I go to the Father, he's going to send the counselor the advocate, and then he's, that's why he said in 14, you will do these things and even greater in my name, because now the Holy Spirit can go, have fun. You know, there's a verse in, I believe, Matthew, that after Jesus dies, it talks about the temple to the curtain being ripped right in two. You know why? Because the Spirit of God, because of Jesus' sacrifice, no longer had to remain cooped up in that little area away from people. Jesus paid the price, and now the Holy Spirit was free to rock out. Isn't that awesome? Because up until this point, the Holy Spirit came upon people or was with people. And Jesus says, I'm here with you, but when I get out of here, it's going to be awesome. And he'll tell me everything. You can talk to me. You can let me know. You see, what we have here is Jesus wants us to have the Holy Spirit not only with us, but he wants the experience of Pentecost to today. And that experience goes like this, simply like this. This experience is where the Holy Spirit is in us, in us, and in anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what brings us up completely to why today is important. Because if we look, here we're a bunch of fishermen Tax collectors, zealots, dregs of society. Some were decent people, but they had no giftedness. But we learned that after Jesus ascended into heaven, they went back and they were, they were all together in one place and they began to worship and they even didn't know what to do. So they went ahead and had a, a nominations committee and replaced Judas because they didn't know what to do. You ever been nervous and you're not sure what to do, so you do something? Does that make sense? And then we're told that it says, when they were all together, suddenly the sound that like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues and the Spirit enabled, as the Spirit enabled them. And then they began to, then Peter begins to give a sermon. And if you read Peter, Simon Peter of the Gospels, he doesn't sound like Simon Peter here. You know why? Because the Spirit of God is now in him. Not just on him, not just with him. Because when the Spirit of God was with him, he did some pretty dumb stuff and said some pretty dumb stuff. But now the Spirit of God lives within him. He has changed forevermore. So right now you're saying, okay, I got this. What in the world are you talking about? Why am I sitting here hearing about this, because this is extremely important to understand who the Holy Spirit is. And there's some things that we learn in Acts chapter 2. 
that I just want to um, share with you. Number one, it says that they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And so my first question is, how? How are they filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, there's a couple things that they, they do. And what we need to move here is we need to move in our sermon, in our lives, from the period of information to transformation. We need to move from knowing about the Holy Spirit to experiencing the Holy Spirit in our lives. It means everything. And what we learn from the Scripture is this. If you read further on in that section, you see in chapter 2, verse 38 through 39, there are people there, they're hearing the sermon that Peter's giving, and they say, okay, now what do we need to do to have this gift? He quotes what Joel says, and here's what he says. He says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's cool, isn't it? So what are the two things you have to do? Repent. What does that mean? What? Turn around and go the opposite direction. That means every one of us has been following in this path of sin, and we need to turn and go the other direction and say, Jesus, you paid that price. The next thing is we do an outward sign, baptism, of our faith in Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you, the, the disciples, before the Holy Spirit fell, did not have a baptismal service. They didn't. They had followed Jesus, and they had been through that practice. But what we do know is that the Spirit of God came in a way that I think prepared the table for people. And here's what I want to share with you. If you want to fill her up, if you want to fill up your life with the Holy Spirit, here are some things that you can learn from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Here we go. Here's some of the things that you can tell from this verse that I want to share with you briefly here today. Number one, there are things in my life that must be reunited. What do I mean by that? Let's look at that scripture above that. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all what? Together. Now, I'm one who believes that God can bring the Holy Spirit any way he wants to. I'm I'm not going to tell you this is the only way God can do that. Um, But I am going to tell you that if there's areas of your life that are so broken, you need to turn that over to Jesus in order for him to put that together. If you have relationships sometimes that are broken, that that has, has a hold on your life, God may need you to do everything in your possibility to bridge that gap in order that he can do what he wants to in your life. Look at this. Uh, how do I believe that? I'm not pulling it out of the air. This is what the scripture says. This is not Jack's assumption. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Make every effort to keep yourselves what? United in the spirit, binding yourselves together with what? Peace. There's that spirit, peace in your life. Uh, relationship that exists here. So the first thing is, I don't know about you, but there are areas of my life that need to be reunited and rejoined, that have been broken or have been disconnected. Anybody with me on that? Okay. For, for some, it may be something that you may think is simple as just carving out time to pray in the morning, carving out time to read, carving out time to just talk to God, or it may be just calling someone to tell them, hey, I'm thinking about you. Okay, it may be something that's just disjointed or out of the way. The second thing is, there are things in my life that need to be blown away. How do I know that? Well, look what it says. They were all together in one place, and suddenly the sound of what? A blowing violent wind. Now, I don't know about you, but a blowing violent wind does not sound like a ceiling fan to me. 
Sounds like a hurricane, a tornado. Sounds like on those days like when it's really good, like all of a sudden that wind, you have your windows open and all of a sudden, whoosh, and everything goes flying off the walls. That's what it is to me. One time, you know, one time I was actually preaching a sermon on Pentecost in a church and it was dead, sticky, hot, June, nasty. And all of a sudden I said something about the wind of the spirit and all of a sudden, whoosh, blew through and I said, Thank you, God, for the little stage act right there. See, God and I got this together. And somebody, I actually had somebody, it was a friend of mine who told me I was there that day. And he said, I got to tell you, that just woke me up like, whoa, I'm paying attention now. But there are, you know what, there are areas of our lives that we've kept there and kept there and kept there that the Spirit of God just needs to blow away and remove out of the area. Look at what it says in the scripture from Matthew chapter 3. Remember what I said about separating the wheat and the chaff? Look what it says here about God, what he does to us. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gather his wheat into the barn, and burn up the chaff in that unquenchable fire. So that tells us two things. Number one, he's going to blow away the bad stuff, but then he's going to scoop it up, and here's what he's going to do. Isn't it interesting that the wind blew it away, separated what was bad in them, and then tongues of fire set upon them, burning and strengthening what is there, but also burning up that which shouldn't be there, okay? Isn't that cool, scripture? I think it's cool, and that's what I got today, so if you don't think it's cool, that's up to you. All right, um, there are things, the third thing, there are things in my life that must be refined. This is the big one. <clears throat> you know what's really interesting? How many of you have a GPS? Aren't they cool? Um, there's still this part of me in a GPS that even though it says this is the way to go, I don't want to go that way. Anybody else with me? Like, I'm like, no, she, 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 she doesn't know what she's talking about. But, you know, and I'll go, and I'll ride, and I'll be riding, and all of a sudden, it'll go. And you know what she'll say? Yeah, what is it? And she's really nice about it, too, isn't she? Recalculating. Not like, you fool, you missed your turn. What is wrong with you? Don't you know I cost lots of money and I have a connection with the satellite? I'm good. You're not. She says, recalculate. And like, oh, that's so nice. And I know no matter how far off track I get, she's going to keep recalculating. And eventually I'll get there. It may take me a lot longer. It may be the scenic route, but she's just going to be recalculating. And she's happy every time recalculating your trip. I'm like, yes, oh, yay, I love you, you know? When we look at this, I got to say that when I recognize that there's areas of my life that need to be refined, I could also say there are areas of my life that need to be recalculated. Areas of my life that just need to be reshaped and put back on a track that have gotten off track. That I put some things in my life over time, you know, Things that I want, you know, somebody, I've heard, somebody asked me a question years ago and say, say, what do you want out of ministry? And, you know, I got a lot of wants. I mean, there's a, there's a big Christmas kid in all of us, and there? We got lot, lots of wants. And then as I, I began to unpack this, you know, God kind of took me in a completely different verse, and that's, and, and, you know, and did it this morning, and it's not fair, I know, but, um, I just want you, if you have your Bible, to turn with me to Second Peter. It's all, um, I think it's Second Peter. Yeah, Second Peter, uh, verse, chapter one, verse 
5. And keep in mind asking that question, and you could say, what do you want in life? Okay? And I saw this, and it says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. And it starts on that in verse 3 that says his divine power has given us everything. It's his spirit. As I look at this verse from Scripture, it kind of changes what I want in life. If I really want to be refined by the Spirit of God, it's not about what I want to achieve, what status I would like to have, what role or title I would like to carry. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of my colleagues who will spend time on whether they want to be called senior or lead pastor or pontiff or whatever. And, and that's fine for them. But as I look about this, I would love at my funeral that somebody whoever's the person that gets to talk about me would stand up and say I gotta tell you what I saw in Jack and what he achieved in his life was that he made every effort to add to the faith that he had goodness he was good to people and I know that there's parts of my life I'm just not a good person you with me and I also recognize that there's areas of my life that I don't have that spiritual knowledge I need but I'll give you some of my knowledge just because I'm important or self-important. With me? Um, or I just want you to go away, so I'll give you some sort of knowledge. Maybe it's like something I heard uh, Oprah or somebody say or, you know, Dr. Phil. You know, whatever. Um, real quick. Um, or, and to knowledge, self-control. And you know what self-control is? It's, part of that is being patient. Isn't it? And you know, that's when you, that's when you add that question, what I want, and self-control, because I have never, ever agreed with God's timetable for my life. Ever. Ever in my entire life. But it always seems to be working for Him. And I drive myself absolutely insane about His timetable. I mean, and perseverance. When we talk about suffering, we're going to talk about perseverance. And godliness. And the godliness, kindness, and the brotherly love. When I, when I started looking at this, that's what it, what it tells me there is, if I don't display those things, I can't see who I was in Christ. And you know what? That's true. Find the people that you've run into, Christian people or non-Christian people, that haven't displayed those things and they are very nearsighted and forget where they came from and the grace of God. And so what I see is in my life I need a refining process to make me stronger. Because if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone and the new is here. God is a great refacer. Anybody ever had your cabinets redone? They look new. It's the same hardware, but they look new. 
and they are new, and you can change the face of them, and, but they're, they can be a, if they're strong, they can stay strong. That's what God wants to do in our lives. And the last thing that I learned, that this goes back to that self-control patience thing, which stinks, I must take time in my life to be still or to be patient. How do I know that? Because look what it says above. The violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were doing what? Pacing? No. Where they were sitting. I don't know about you, but if I am sitting in a church meeting, Stephen, what about you? If you're sitting in a church meeting for a week, and all you've done is replace somebody and say some prayers, I'm not going to be sitting there. I'm going to be like, I got something else to do. I'm going to be pacing. I'm going to be going back and forth. And so, what does it say, James, the brother of Jesus says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for it to yield a crop. You see, at times in our life we get off course. The Holy Spirit is called our advocate, our guide, our lead, and he's also the one that raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. This is so important because as Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat this, all of you. This is my body which is given for you. Eat this and remember to me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks again. And he said, blessed are you, Lord God, creator and sovereign of the universe that gives us fruit of the vine that we may have drink. And so he said, do this in remembrance of me. It was in that same upper room where they met and had this last meal where they were grieved from John 16 that just 50 days later they would have the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to be the guide and the director. I told you I was just scratching the surface today. I'm not answering the full question. We'll have some more questions. But ultimately, he wants to, he doesn't want to come upon you anymore. He doesn't want to just be with you or around you when it's convenient. He wants to live within you and guide you and direct you in the same spirit of Christ. So I'm going to ask if we could have some servers come forward. Um, Today, uh, did we have any kids set up to, to, from the, okay, then we'll go ahead. Um, I just need uh, six people. Six people, just come forward. Patty, come up. And I'm going to ask the praise team to come up as well. I'll serve them. And um, we'll let the Spirit lead you.